You're listening to A Quality Podcast with your hosts, John Thacker Jr. and Jake Harrell. I don't think you you can't kind of launch into that, that sort of big state thinking stuff until you've taken away what I, I call the white noise, you know, the sort of the, the day-to-day rumblings and all of that. We've got to have some sort of um, calmness in that space. But I think it's an early storytelling going, we will start here and it might not be what you want to achieve, but we've got to get the collection, the collective on board to get there. to a quality podcast season four i am happy today to be joined by rob bull from new zealand plexus consulting rob how are you yeah i'm good thanks good sunday afternoon and it's summertime for me so i'm always happy all right slightly jealous there um so new zealand that's a um a continent off the coast of australia that yeah uh, sure yeah just the same as um america's just another sort of territory of canada i think yeah (laughs) (laughs) well it's great to have you on the show um you know i'm not familiar with the lean consulting world in uh, new zealand so it's always great to have you know some new experiences and perspectives um why don't you tell me a little bit about that to get started yeah, um, I guess it's a bit of part of um, my background as well is certainly lean in New Zealand is, I guess, in business in general is always a, a few years and some people say decades behind uh, some of the rest of the world, really. Um, but because we're predominantly a SME, so small, medium businesses, you know, about 80, 85% of our GDP is made up of SMEs. Um, so and many of those are 20 people or less staff and organizations. So um, I think when it comes to lean, continuous improvement and all of those other terms that we flip-flop between, um, it gets tough because the flexibility you have to uh, put time aside while still keeping the business as usual going, that that's, that's the barrier that I get um, caught up most with. The problems are the same. Um, I've talked to my good colleague, Paul Dunlop, which I know you've talked to. We catch up regularly and, um, yeah, we always agree, you know, dumb shit's happening all over this place. Um, it's just a different scale. Yeah, we're uh, planning on starting a consulting business. I mean, Paul and I, we're going to call it Better Call Paul. All of your lean, uh, all of your lean problems. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think that uh, is a great topic to kind of dive into a little more. And I, I have some thoughts on it. Um, yeah. And that is, you know, scalability and the difference when you're doing continuous improvement, you know, between a small enterprise and a giant car manufacturer, for example. And to give you a little bit of my background, I've uh, done greenfield startups with, you know, 10 people. Um, and I've run... You know, two million square foot operations with hundreds of people. Um, so I have a, a range of experiences, big corporations, privately held companies, 
small, medium, and large. And so I've gotten to see one, you know, how different people do the same things differently, but then also the scalability limits in both directions um, for companies trying to improve. So why don't we start there with uh, small business and continuous improvement? I guess it's the the mindset is the problems are raised up more acutely with small business. Um, I guess you know in the enterprise it can be hidden for quite a while and then it gets um, almost I guess culturalized. You know it becomes part of the culture before sometimes the C suite um, gets it. And I, I guess the for me it'd be interesting to see what your experience is too. But the small business you know you tend to find the owner who is the, the boss, who is the manager, who's the ops manager. Um, they're, by the time they ring you, they're pretty frazzled out and their sort of headspace is, is not... You almost need to be the psychologist first and the counsellor first before you work on continuous improvement. So, yeah. So it's a pretty slow start, I think, um, just to get that... Um, culture that that sort of confidence right first that they have made the right call bringing this weird guy up who rocks up in um, orange shoes um, yeah so that that's I think for me the the first and fundamental part of working with small businesses is has just been that extra support and coach for the leader owner quite often right so some of the larger companies have a whole uh silo of the business dedicated to this sometimes um and i've had conversations about this before i don't think that's a great model um but it's common in the united states but certainly with smaller businesses the leaders i guess they're wearing a lot of hats you know i remember paying uh paying construction invoices trying to find suppliers overseas while you know, coaching somebody because he just had a new baby and doesn't know how to come to work on time, you know, and then you try to add on top of that. It can be really challenging. And they get so busy that like I, I talked to, I hopped on a plane and traveled down to a small business um, to an owner and he kind of a really successful engineering business. He was um, servicing a lot of blue chip clients and, you know, at the top of his game and he rang me up and you could hear him just breaking going, it was like I woke up one day and everything was wrong. And all of a sudden it's quality's poor. Um, People just don't give a hoot, you know, all of those things. He goes, where did I go wrong? It was a great business. And then in a space of two years, he blinked. Um, And because you're so in it, they forget to work. Um, you know, sort of on it, you know, all of those cliches. So it just, it's it's a disappointing story, but it just happens too often, I guess, for those small owners who are just blinkered by chasing that hustle, next sale, next product out, that next service, um, and they forget to just pause, slow down to go faster, all the stuff that we know, but it takes ages for us to convince them that that's the way to go. Yeah, part of the challenge is the better way, you know, accepting that there is a better way, changing your mindset and then your behaviors, you know, your habits as a leader, something that I had to develop, you know, and Mm. am still developing over many years. And there's sort of an interplay. You have a company culture that values certain things, and we all want to be valuable to the company. 
in, you know, at, at the sort of simplest psychological level, make the boss happy, right? So mm. if, if the boss comes over and says, hey, I don't want any more time card adjustments. Well, you're going to put effort into en and energy into making sure that doesn't happen, right? Maybe at the expense of something else. And then over here, you have kind of the, the way that the individual is conditioned. If you bring someone in to the organization, and that rubs off a little bit into the culture as well, right? Depends on the personality. Some people are a little more opinionated or forceful. So there's an, an interplay between the two. Yeah. But at the end, at the end of the day, we tend to do what, you know, makes others, especially important and powerful people in the organization happy. Fair? Yeah, I think it's keeping it fair. And, and also because we were just talking just before we started around limited um, sort of person, you know, supply of people, um, particularly at the moment um, in New Zealand, bosses don't want to piss off their staff at the fear that they'll just walk out down the road and get another job somewhere else. And then they've just exacerbated the problem that they've got. Right. So, so they're walking on each other. Oh, we don't want to tell them that they're doing something not quite to our standard because that will annoy them. And it, you know, they're gone. So it's, oh, yeah. I, I do feel for um, business owners when it goes through that, because I don't know, I've talked to many HR sort of consultants and I don't know if there's a right or wrong way to approach that. Yeah, it, it's a challenge, and it's one that, at least in at least in the United States, we haven't handled very well, and that is the uh, learned skill of dealing with people. Um, I was talking to a couple of guys, and you know, one of them is a, a middle-aged college grad business leader. The other one is nearing retirement. 45 years in a single industry, you know, more blue collar type. And we were having this conversation about what gets taught in school and learned in school. And some of it's good, but we noted uh, with some chagrin that psychology is not a required course in most business schools, which is fascinating because it's the centerpiece of everything we do in business, but especially with employee relations. Now, we happen to have access to the job relations part of training within the industry of TWI that yeah. was developed uh, in World War II. And, and that can be a real shortcut. You know, we don't have to reinvent the wheel or think through it too hard. Uh, we can sort of copy and paste there a little bit. But just in general, the like, how do I talk to somebody about this? Yeah. Right. It's interesting you say that because my partner, she does um, consulting for education, so schools, middle leadership and teachers and you know, school leadership. And she's awesome at coaching, you know, coaching and coaching. So I often get her in to talk to my clients because they don't know how to have those conversations. They don't know how to have what we'd probably call the sort of gimba questions, you know, open-ended. It's more of that blue collar, roll up your sleeves. This is how I want to do it. Why can't you understand my way of doing it? And it's the right way. Um, so yeah. just having that skill set, because it is very much the classic, they were the expert, they're the technician, they're the technician. Um, all of a sudden they're becoming sort of the entrepreneur and that, that leadership. And, I guess part of it, you know, there's a whole, there's no one fits all solution to it. But in New Zealand, I don't know what it's like in the States, but to start up a business, 
you just put a sign outside and next day you're going. Um, you register, get your New Zealand business number and that's it. There's no other requirements. Um, so it's so easy just to go from that technician to that business owner um, with no skill development requisition, you know, requirements um, to achieve being a good leader. Yeah, it's a it's a challenge. Uh, I think it's a gap to fill. And there's also a little bit of like a poisoning the well going on, I think, which is uh, we have so much access to information, you know, on YouTube, you know, on the oh. Internet. Um, Everyone's an and, expert. Yeah. And, and 90 plus percent of it is hogwash. You know, it's, it's just for sales. I'm, try, I'm trying to sell ad space on this channel. Um, there's a lot of good work out there. And uh, it's funny you mentioned education because that is part of the educator's curriculum, right? It's learning how to communicate and deal with different types of people and so on and so forth. But I just wonder as we sort of move forward in this century, if that's not going to be a critical skill uh, for business leaders, um, you know, some of the technical skills in the past, you, you know, maybe you were a manufacturing firm, you made stuff, uh, maybe you made vehicles, airplanes or, or something, you know, scary and dangerous. The most important thing was the engineering skill and knowledge. And my grandfather, for example, was an aerospace engineer and part of his job was catching mistakes because you don't want people to die and you're designing airplanes with a slide rule, right? Well, today, Google could probably tell you the right shape for that wing. Sorry to all my engineering friends out there. I'm not trying to devalue all the hard work that you do. Right? Uh, but what one thing that Google hasn't caught up with yet is how to talk to people. So maybe that chat GPT thing will come through. Who knows? Oh, it's all over the place. It's suddenly swarmed through the thing. So I think the other other one too to really throw this one out is that tall poppy syndrome. I don't know what it's like in, in the States, but sort of that humble Kiwi New Zealand kind of approach is, and it's a perverse way. I've been having multiple conversations with friends over the last few weeks around this, is we don't want to be seen as successful or running a great business. And mm. People throw you know, throw the stones at the successful business until they're really awesome. Then they'll get behind it, right? Yeah. Um, we're and why it's perverse is like our yeah we love our sports in New Zealand just like a lot of other countries, and we expect excellence from all our sports people. You know, come to the Olympics, we expect um, a few gold medals in rowing and yachting. Um, certainly, you know, our rugby and and all the other sports that we do. Um, and we'll cut them down when they don't achieve excellence. But it's quite the opposite in our real life world. And it, sure. I've just been I've just been pondering over the summer around it, and it's just like, why why don't we bring bring that excellence all the way into our business? Why don't we celebrate even owners having to go at it? Um, no, we've got excellent, you know, awesome businesses out there. We've got massive examples. Um, but you know that they had a tough time getting to that point. You know, Peter Jackson, he, you know, who was he to think he could be successful um, being a, a movie producer based in New Zealand? Now he's collecting all the gongs and all the silverware. Everyone's going, oh, we always knew about that. You know, we knew he was good. It's like, why, why kick him when he was early in his career? It's crazy. Mm. And uh, who's that other gentleman? Is it Taiki Waititi? 
Taika Waititi, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's uh, doing great, okay. Yeah, great <laughs> filmmaker. I enjoy his enjoy his work. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's a, it's a great question. I, we definitely have some of that. Um, it kind of depends on the industry, and I, I guess like in the software world, some of the tech world. Um, yeah. In in the U.S., it's a big thing to like pretend you're a big thing, and you know, get a, a round of of seed money and spend all of it on like marketing and you know slick productions and all of this. Um, but in a lot of other industries, particularly where people are making things or building things or fixing things, um, there's a lot more of a you know kind of glance over your shoulder. Like I, I don't want to be the the head sticking up, and uh, no. I don't want to be a target for people. Um, you know, I, I see that I, uh, I had a nicer car. Um, I got rid of it. I had, I drive a forerunner now, Toyota forerunner, uh, with some slight modifications for my off-roading enjoyment, uh, <laughs> but, but it just fits better in the parking lot. You know, I work at a factory. There's a lot of pickup trucks and SUVs, those kinds of vehicles to where, you know, my, my fancy fast sedan didn't, didn't match. Right. So you'll see a lot of this, uh, people trying to fit in and uh, covering up excellence to some extent. Uh, not, it's, you know. it's funny that you use a car because um, I brought a new car last year. You know, business was going well and I had sort of like a older little sort of mini SUV and I was like, oh, you know, I just want to get a nice, you know, I drive lots of miles, you know, hours in the car. But I took about a month and I, you know, close clients that I build up a strong relationship, I bring up the photos and go, what would you think if I drove up in this? Would you think I'm an absolute dick or what? You know, and I just go, mate, just do it. You know, you're working hard for us all. Just, you know, but I took a month to get confirmation from clients and other people going, well, I look like a complete jerk turning up in a nice late model BMW. But right, right. It's not the expensive one either, but it looks nice. But I, you know, and but I really had to think about it rather than do I just buy a Corolla and just get in there under the radar? <laughs> yeah, um, that's no, it's, crazy. It's a real thing, right? Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, the the challenges for small scale, um, yeah. for the small scale business, right? And a consultant in the small business space has to behave a certain way and have certain knowledge base. Uh, if you're consulting with large corporations, international corporations, you have to have a completely different approach. But let's set the consulting and consulting skills aside for a second and talk about the businesses and the small businesses. Mm. So there are some things that have to scale for the company to grow. But I'm a little more interested in something that I've seen over and over, which is the uh, failure of smaller companies to implement continuous improvement, Kaizen, any form of lean. Um, and here's what I've noticed. I've noticed that many of them are essentially trying to copy Toyota or TPS or uh, lean um, because they see it as a set of interlocking tools and philosophies. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure they get the philosophy and so they don't know how to scale it down, right? It's just too much. Like, I can't even pay the people you're telling me I need to pay to do this, right? Uh, because we don't have the, the skill in-house. But also, all of the 
recommended uh, tools and structure and pull production and all of that. Um, what uh, what do you think about that? What have you seen? Yeah, it's a double-edged sword because, you know, when I promote my work, it's similar stuff, same problems, different organisation, different businesses. So you're pretty much using the same tools. I know, um, going back to Paul, um, he does the same, you know, it's your team boards, your visual management. Um, we talk about 5S and all that because it's a, it's so much the basics to to try and get the, I guess, get the momentum going and all of that kind of stuff. Um, so that's all people see. So that's all of what they think. But yeah, there is, you know, the, the, that cult, you know, the, the massive gains with the overall mindset and the, the, you know, the value chain sort of view, you know, the helicopter viewpoint of how it all ties them together. Um, but once they see that and they make some improvements and they might have small shareholders, you know, it's a, yep, we've done that. So what are you still doing here? Yeah, um, yeah, like yeah. So it is. It's that double-edged sword. Is we're so far around integrating sort of CI mindset around that um, the whole SME culture um, and sectors. Is once you do the basics, I think they've achieved it because that's all of the examples that I've seen. Um, you know, there are only certainly in New Zealand only a real small handful. Yeah, you know, I could probably name. On the top of my hand, some of the, and they tend to be the larger organisations, but there's some smaller um, who have done it well, who are continuing to do it well. But because of that sort of that humbleness, they we don't talk about it, we don't shout about it, and so no one actually knows that they're there. Um, my I, I live uh, about an hour south of Auckland, and I can drive down the main street in our industrial suburbs and point to you where there's some world-class operations going, but no one even knows. Um, so, yeah, so I think it's, yeah, the role modelling of the basics, so that's the expectation. So when you actually start talking about all the other stuff or, so, you know, your management structure and meeting, you know, your information flow and all of that, they start looking at you as a great big tree hugger. Um, it's all just becomes a theory and this all soft stuff comes in where they just want to be all told to clean up their workshop and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, um, um, I think a gap in the United States, at least where there is a cadre of folks that understand respect for people as be nice. Uh, well, Look, I shouldn't have to tell you to be nice to people. I we do sometimes, you know, uh, especially uh, over here. Sometimes some um, people need to be reminded. <laughs> some people need to be reminded, uh, but that's not what respect for people really means. Respect for people in aggregate, as well as the individual. Um, I believe that's one of Walmart's three core values: is respect the individual, which is important. But respecting humanity in the aggregate. Mm is also important. I can respect you as an individual and my coworker while doing things as a company that's bad for the species. You know, there's a, a difference there. Um, but in my experience, respect for people in lean refers to uh, essentially training, educating, empowering, and supporting the people doing the work to uncover opportunities for improvement and make those improvements uh, semi-autonomously, right? Um, so that I think has been one of the very large hurdles 
for small companies that I've worked with. Um, and it's funny because for most of them like that, they're already doing that. Like they're a small company and you know, I'm thinking of one client in particular that has like 10 employees. I'm like, you guys are already doing this. You just don't have like the the system or the shared understanding for it to work well. But when that breaks, somebody fixes it, right? Um, somebody has to have a marketing plan. Somebody has to get designs approved and that sort of thing. So you're fixing problems all the time. There's not enough of you for you not to be doing this, right? Yeah, so the, come, to me, it sits in three scenarios. It's like they're, fixed, they're, they're doing it, but they haven't joined the dots that that's what it is. They are expecting mm. it's something. No, it can't be that easy. It can't be that. It's got to be a lot more difficult. It's, it has to be. What's that magic soup that you're telling us? I'm going, no, you're doing it. You just And the cool thing is you're not using all the fancy words. You're not talking in Japanese, all of those type of things. And that's okay. Just do it your way, and we'll just we'll frame it and you know, put a tie, bow tie on it and it will be good. So you got that. Um, then you got the, um, you get down and engage the staff who are doing and they're fixing. Oh, I don't, don't want to tell them that, you know, the boss's drawings are crap or his son is a, the laziest person in the office or, you know, because you got those dynamics. Most of them are all small towns. So you got, so they just don't want to raise the issues and feel like they're the prickly person um, in the, in the, in the company. Um, and then you get the, the last one, which is probably about 25%. And they, you could just see everyone just go, Oh, thank you. We've been dying for this opportunity because the ops manager has been running around trying to put out all the fires. Now we can put them out and I'll walk into a factory and you know what it's like. And they'll go, come over here, Rob, come have a look at what I've done for the last month. And they're proud as punch. But all they needed to do is be given that sort of that green light. Just do it. You know, one of the best stories I ever did, I was doing some work at one of the local universities um, and the support teams, you know, the professional staff behind the scenes. And I knew one of these team leaders were a little unsure about the effectiveness of CI. And they said, oh, I just can't see it working in an office admin environment. You know, the classic, no, that's, that's for the guys holding the tools and making stuff. So I walked in and unfortunately they had the meeting in a, um, lecture hall so they're all banged up and then I'm down the bottom like the lecturer and they're all just sort of sitting there going what's this guy going to tell us it's not going to help I was, and I just turned around and I just said totally unprofessional I just said what's pissing you guys off here's a whole lot of post-it notes one thing that's pissing you off each you know and in five minutes they had three or four in front of them I said right all pick them up you know a team of about 15 throw them on the wall put them all on the wall and as I was leaving, and they expected this to be an hour meeting, as I was leaving, I said, pick one, and I'll come back next week and see how you're going. Just fix it. Don't care which one. Um, and they just went, is that it? I went, that's it. You don't go, yes, you can have all the fancy stuff. You can, We can assess, and we can do this, and we could do it. You know. But if you want to break it down, be simple, do that. Um, and in about 20 minutes, I'd left, and I was just like, what <laughs> keep it simple yeah um additionally for for me something that i keep experiencing is small businesses struggling because they 
don't and sometimes can't think in process mindset, mm -hmm. right? So, and it becomes a challenge because, you know, we'll just use the example of a production facility. We're making a widget and I can have all of the isolated improvements I want. You know, I have tools, they're the right size, they're not broken, they're in a shadow board. That's great. And it makes my life easier. It doesn't improve the business necessarily, mm -hmm. right? Um, and getting that mindset shift uh, has has proven monumental. In some cases, impossible for me. You know, that might be a skill level uh, thing for me. But, uh, you know, business owners that just can't understand uh, process mindset and sort of understanding the flow, the value chain. Um, yeah, I, I think business that's part of storytelling, really. That's part of our, you know, my role is storytelling. Hey, we're going to start here. But that's we're just using it to get some quick wins under the belt, getting the confidence of the team, getting their sort of noise taken care of. Um, but there's a longer game. But we and and you can't do that sort of you know value stream improvements, you know, that will benefit the business that you're saying. I this is my I could be told wrong and I'm wrong quite often, as my partner would keep reminding myself. Um but I, I don't think you you can't kind of launch into that that sort of big state thinking stuff until you've taken away what I I call the white noise. You know, the sort of the the day to day rumblings and all of that. We've got to have some sort of um, calmness in that space. But I think it's an early storytelling game. We will start here, and it might not be what you want to achieve, but we've got to get the collection, the collective, on board to get there. And it might look a little bit scattergunnery-ish and, you know, we're going all over the place, but it's really just to get the momentum, just to get the confidence, and then we'll just we'll converge into that true north and then we can have those conversations. Um, and it's the ones who see that long game, and I'd say that's still, you know, a small part of the bell curve, then the, the, they get it. They, they're in for the long haul. Um, the ones who can't see the wood for the tree and you know why are you doing this when i want that fixed over there um don't worry we'll, we'll get there um but i think yeah it's it's us storytelling right at the start yeah i like that uh i like that approach um you know you talked about the white noise uh what i found is for the people doing the work you know and and i guess i should preface this a little bit, you know, I work with companies that are looking for specific outcomes. And sometimes the specific outcome, um, you know, is like financially related or, or something. It's not really Kaizen they're looking for. Right. So I'll, I'll help with that, you know, yep. as well. Um, but anything that involves the employees uh, improving the work, which I think should be, it, it's just, it's, it's funny to me because we, we talk about, this as a um, outcome that we're looking for, right? The people doing the work own it, right? It's it's really about buy-in and that sort of thing, and and you're doing the improvement and all of that. Um, I I don't know, you know, how many companies really want that. You know, when I start to dig in, they'll say, "Well, I want to be a lean company." Well, that's like servant leadership. No, you don't. You want the outcomes or the benefits, but you, but you don't actually want to do it. Want to do it. <laughs> and that goes back to the small small owner, right? The technician, and particularly the and, and the sort of Kiwi mindset for us is 
on my own. I've got to know, I've got to be the knower of all and the expert of all and all of that just to give that away. Yeah. Sometimes you just can't, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Person, but, wrong time. For sure. Uh, but for the companies that are trying to build uh, Kaizen or continuous improvement, um, what I found is if you can can start out with removing all of the nuisances that keep people from being focused on the work, it goes a really long way, you yep. know? So it's, it's sometimes super, super not popular because people think I'm trying to, to uh, milk them or something like that, but you need a bigger break room. You need more microwaves and televisions in the break room. You need more parking spots. And, and why does that person have to walk a quarter mile to work? Because, you know, the parking place is way out there. And, and by the way, you don't have any handicapped spots. And, you know, all of the little things that... Uh, the things that piss them off. Yeah, yeah. So that by the time they're here running running their machine and trying to... You know, they already have a list of six things that they're upset about, you know? Oh, look, you know, oh, you walk in and, you know, oh, we don't have enough box cutters. What do you mean you don't have enough box cutters? Oh, we, we, we're trying to get sharp blades, real small stuff. And sometimes you just go down the hardware store and buy it and bring it back and go, here you are. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just get it done. So absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, I think Jake has a story. I'm going to mistell it, but there, there was a plant where they weren't wearing their bump caps. So it's, it's not a hard hat, but... Yeah, we call them bump caps, but it's just a shell. It, it provides some protection, but it's not rated like a hard hat. Um, sure. So, so they weren't wearing this this PPE. Well, you know, let's ask the five wise. They're they're not wearing it because they can't find it. They can't find it because they're on a special shelf somewhere that's across the plant. But they're over there because they were taking them home and forgetting to bring them back in the morning. And so somebody came up with a a solution for that and it ended up not working, you know, kind of backfired. Um, those are the kind of, you know, just little things, little foxes spoil the, spoil the grapes, right? That by the time I start work, I'm, I'm already in a foul mood. You know, this is, this is work. This is a dungeon, you know, whatever. And as, uh, unpopular as it might be for the people controlling the purse strings, uh, go ahead and fix that stuff first. And then, then you'll have the receptive. Yeah. Stop doing the little dumb stuff and then we can get on to the cool stuff. Right. And yeah, I think for me, that's definitely the storytelling earlier on. Um, and yeah, hopefully, you can, well, that's the sales pitch. You got to get them over the line. Um, if they can't see that, are they the right people that you want to be working with? Because, and so that weeds, weeds that whole story out quite quickly. Right. Yeah. I think those are good points, Rob. Um, as we, transition i'd like to kind of talk a little bit about unique problems that small business owners should be aware of so we've worked with small businesses both of us um for my part like as an employee uh, we call them we call them w2s up here because that's the tax code or whatever so when we say w2 that's that's like uh, i'm an employee um if we say 1099 that's like a a contract employee, so sure. more like a consultant. Yeah. So uh, I've been a W-2 for uh, small companies and small startups. Um, so advice for small business owners. There, 
they're watching their show. They're interested. You know, I, I know I need something. I, I really like this continuous improvement thing. Mm. Um, where should they start? What should they be aware of? Um, I, I think start by calling around, talking and doing a bit, but doing your own homework. I mean, we talked about, you know, Googling stuff. A lot of stuff around this space is going to be fairly consistent. So do your own homework and give it a try because it isn't rocket science. You don't need consultants to start becoming a better business. Um, just start wherever you feel comfortable um, and just see what the response is from your staff. So, you know, try try the process yourself. Um, but I think, yeah, definitely need um, to get the support team in around you because it is a hard, long grind to do it well. Um, and I guess don't see the uh, consultant as a, cost it is a definitely an investment i know that's a cliche but you know when you charge a few thousand but you can increase the sort of um, turnover by 20 30 percent particularly in a small business it's chunk change right so don't get freaked out about the um, funding or the, the the pay um and just yeah, make sure you get the right person so talk to people see what they're like you know talk to other people um, but because they're going to be your support person for a long time if you do if you're serious about doing this. And the other probably other couple of ones that I would say is be prepared to put at least two years into this because you you know this takes you think how long it will take, double it, then double it again, right? Because um, we're dealing with people, it is going to take longer. You know, it could take three to four months just to get your team on board. So, whereas you think it might be one speech on the soapbox, no, you're going to do that for three or four months before they start hearing the true story. Um, so, yeah, be prepared for the long game. So, get get ready for that. Um, and the final one too is be prepared what I call the lost generation of work. So when you start this, you will have a certain amount of current work on your plate that will be late. You know, if you're always missing deadlines or you're always not hitting your quality results, when you start, there will be a generation that, that might even get worse. When you're trying to wedge this continuous improvement thing in and putting time aside for that, you will still continue to miss deadlines. So talk to your clients going, hey, we're going to change things up a bit. There will be an impact short term, but hopefully over the next couple of months, we'll start making those gains. So be prepared for us like, you know, running over the gravel before you hit the tarmac. Um, yeah, so that, that's, that would be my sort of advice. It's not all of a sudden in two weeks time, it's suddenly, you know, smelling of roses. It's, yeah. it's hard work. It's yeah. like I, I use sporting analogies um, a lot, but, you know, we're in the new year. It's like going to the gym. You haven't been to the gym for six months, eight months, or years, if you like me. Um, the first time you go and the first couple of times you go, it's painful. It hurts. You can't do a lot of it. You stop it after half an hour and going, this is dumb. Why am I doing this? Um, and... I, I could be sitting back home, you know, starting the barbecue and having a beer. What, what, what am I doing? So starting that CI journey is very much like going back to the gym after a long break or if you've never been. Um, you've got to get through that pain. You know, your legs hurt the next day. Yep, 
because you're using muscles that you've never used before. Yeah. And at my age, at my age, you don't even have to go to the gym to do that. Uh, (laughs) I'm turning 50 this year. I I know what that's like. (laughs) Yeah. I had a, well, we call him a Charlie horse. I don't know the right word, but a cramp in my calf while I was sleeping Mm. the other night and uh, got no sleep. And then I limped the whole next day and felt sorry for myself. So that's, that's where, where I'm at. Um, I think those are really good words for small business owners that are looking to take that step. And I I appreciate you sharing that. Um, One of the things that we value on a quality podcast, you know, the goal of this podcast and what Jake and I do is to spread as much uh, knowledge as we can uh, around the world to make it a better place. Um, sure. You know, we don't really, we don't hoard anything, you know, hoping we can capitalize on it later. I think the internet has killed that anyway. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. But we, we want There's everything. There's no IP left. Yeah. We right. can't it, trademark it, anything, it, right? It's all it, out there. The yeah, secrets nothing. are there. Just go and look. <laughs> yeah. Well, but you can't patent dealing with people well. So there we go. Back to that. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to, talk through what I do with small businesses and new mm-hmm. clients. Um, usually not the larger ones because they've already done something like this, but definitely the smaller ones. Now, I'm, I don't know if uh, anybody listening to this can execute this, right? Which is why people like Rob Bull exist. So give them a call, uh, Plexus Consulting. Um, you guys have the internet in uh, New Zealand? Yeah, no, we've got to get the sheep on the treadmill to get the electricity <laughs> going. But um, no, we, we get it occasionally. Well, we in Pennsylvania get it occasionally. So so you're yeah. joking, but two miles that way is all farms. Uh, so we we happen to be uh, in, in the right position from the sun to have this call right now. But it, it is a roll of the dice. But um, on a serious note, um, I'm going to share what we do. And I would encourage anybody listening, try this out. If you don't know how to do it, that's okay. Uh, There's plenty of people willing to help. So the first thing that we do is we go into an operation and we set aside for the time being, we set aside all of the uh, financials, right? Purchasing and selling essentially. And we look at the value creation process. So in one of your traditional like manufacturing roles, that's like, you know, from the raw materials to the finished goods, right? For a warehouse, it might be uh, stocks re- stock received to stock shipped. And the first thing that we do is we document every single step to get it out the door from door to door in a swim lane map. Mm. Right? We don't use the value stream map. I'm not a fan of that tool, but we can get, into that in a completely different uh, podcast, but in a swim lane map, yep, everything. And that is an educate, the, the primary uh, purpose of that is to educate the entire leadership team. And I will tell you to this day, I have not met a single company, nobody that I've worked with, has there been one person on the team that knew that whole thing? Not once has that happened. So it's an educational tool for the leadership team. And sometimes it's uh, very 
eye-opening and even distressing for the leadership team to see, are you kidding me? All we're doing is, and there's 37 steps you know, to get there. Okay, well, that's where we're going to start. That allows us to do several really high-value added things. First, we always print it out in color and laminate it and put it on the wall of the main office or the war room if you have one or what have you. It needs to be visible and out there. But we'll do every time there's a problem, we just circle which step it occurred in, right? If you start to see a heat map, like we keep circling the same step. Okay, we know where the problem is, right? Another thing that we'll uh, use it for is we'll, we can do time studies, right, on the different steps. Um, and figure out like where the time is going and uh, you might have 47 steps and 40 of them take 10 to 15 seconds right okay well let's look at the other 10 uh, kind of thing uh, so just having that visual map provides a blank canvas for management to use it for whatever they want you know um, this is the department that has the most issues let's let's look at their steps uh, this is the department the product spends most time in. Let's look at what they're doing, and so on and so forth. And also, the one of the first things that we look at is signal to do work. So each step has to be executed by somebody. What is their signal to do work, right? And what we found is, you know, you've got the like, sort of the process step here, and then the different actors here in the swim lane map, right? And what I found is when it switches lanes, like it goes to somebody else, well, that's a, a potential failure mode. And when it switches departments, it gets more dramatic. And if that department is on the other side of the building, it's even more dramatic, right? And you would not believe the number of times I've watched this process and it, it's just going like this. And then between this step and this step, there is no signal to do work. The only reason this person knows to do work is they've been doing it for 25 years. Like, well, if I go walk over into that corner, I'll see a pile of stuff. And that tells me that something's going on. And so now I know to go do this job over here, right? So that's uh, what I would recommend for small businesses. If, if you can do that on your own, just go do it. The amount of learning you'll get out of it is great. Um, if you can't do it on your own, don't worry about it. There's plenty of folks that will uh, help you do it, but I would start there and that'll give you a good grasp of kind of what you're up against uh, as you move forward. Yeah. And oh, like I love doing sort of like swim lane process, you know, sort of mapping out. Um, I just think of a couple of examples. One, don't underestimate the conversation that happens while you're putting it on. Two, always use super sticky post-it notes. Um, but yeah, the conversations are quite valuable. You know, the outcome that you get, the structured, concrete, you know, binary outcome, that's awesome and 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 measurable too, which is great. Um, because you go back to it, you know, six months time, what's changed and what's not. Um I love that heat map example. That's awesome. Um, but it's the, the soft stuff as well, the conversations. Like I, I did a very similar exercise last week with a client. Um and the actual process, they were pretty solid on. But the amount of opportunities that came out, you know, like a team of about five or six, 
um, leadership team, we came out that we're not changing the process at all. But how they're doing it and the quality, we had a whole lot of post-it notes because I always color code the steps are in one paint color post-it. Um, even the information flow requirements are on another post-it so you can visually see what, what, otherwise it gets really messy and it's hard for me to keep up. So I want to simplify it myself. But then I always keep sort of like the orange or the bright pink post-it notes for all the good ideas that are coming out. So while they're talking, I'm writing these down and throwing them up relative to the to the process. And at the end of the day, you're you're picking out you know a couple of dozen of these post-it notes, going, "Here's your journey." Um, yeah, we'll take photos. We'll we'll you know do all that. So don't underestimate the the conversations, the people side of it, right? Heaven forbid we're talking about people far too often. Um, but I, I went through that exercise once early on with a client and we got to the end and the GM suddenly popped up in a swim lane to sign off. And I just looked at him and I said, you, you're not appearing from the start to the to the 99th step. Why? And quickly got him out. You know, it just sticks out. You know, you can see why is one person being involved? Let's upskill the other person or give them the authority to sign off done you just right. want to see the money in the bank that's your role as the general manager right? you don't need to see that the the certification's been signed off or whatever the documentation was but you know keep it you know just simplify so the amount you, uh, of people in the process do you run out of uh colors in your sticky notes when you come across a company that runs their business on sap and excel and google sheets and power bi <laughs> Oh, uh, actually, funny you say that. There's a couple of things around this, is um, but the team that I was working with last week, it was particularly because they had, they have multiple systems, and I'm bringing in an IT expert to come and help simplify that because they're not even at SAP level. They are at, um, they've got a basic CRM and a whole lot of Google Docs. I've been in the management meetings when they go, oh, and, and they're clever. They're clever people. So they've made all of these things talk to each other somehow. But my gosh, it's frustrating. So, you know, so we're at the process of just simplifying the information flow so it doesn't slow slow the process down because I've got to look at this tab that hooks onto that sheet and that tab is it's yeah, yeah. bonkers. Yeah, we're so, often the victims of our, our own... Uh, ingenuity, you know, I, I um, all the time have to help people deconstruct something that's been built over 15 years of clever people fixing problems. And I'm like, you know what, that's the American spirit. Good for you. You go, buddy. Uh, but oh, let's, let's simplify it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. These, these guys, um, and the owner was in another city and he was going to fly up the next day and we were going to defer the meeting to the so you could be part of it i said no don't because he was the one that sets up the google sheet he knows how to write apps so the field team have the the field app and i'm going no we want to quietly just want to get rid of those you know? so let's not have him in the in the room oh, okay <laughs> so let's switch gears here quickly as uh, we wrap up the podcast tell me about you know one or two things that you really love about what you do yeah, I guess it, it was 
even from the start of my career, I'm a health professional. I learned lean in the health sector. Now, quality I really went back to TQM. Like I used to get really excited by quality stuff, which all of my colleagues were thought I was just crazy. But I remember when I bumped into an old colleague who I was team leader of once um, a few years back, and she went. My first question to her was, "How can we make her sore?" And you know, as S O A R, and um, and I was probably thinking of being a good clinician and a good health professional, but she took it from her whole person, and she told me out of that and the challenges we set, she's been able to travel the world, do a whole lot of awesome things around mainly her personal interests. But what really gets me excited is seeing the staff that I work with soar. So seeing them do the best that they can, seeing, you know, walking in there and, you know, having a whole lot of people wave and sort of going, hey, I had this problem, but I solved it. And I'm so much, it's so much easier now. Um, that's what gets me going. You know, I've got a few clients that send me texts and um, send me photos of, hey, we've done this and this is how it looks like, or this is the outcome. That's what, you know, you're driving three or four hours and you, you know, when you stop and, and have a look at text, that's what gets, yeah. When you can yeah. make the, yeah. those simple enablement, you know, enabling the people and seeing the smiles on their faces, that's what makes me turn up the next time. It's really rewarding, isn't it? Yeah. You know, they've had well, those shackles on, and, but yeah, now they're sort of just going, hey, we can do all of this kind of stuff. And the bosses, the, how many times have you walked in when that happened and you, you've had one plan in your mind and they've done, and you go and find out what they've done and they've done X, Y, Z, A, B, C, and you've gone, well, I was actually just going to work on Y, Z, but you've, you've, you've taken off. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Seeing people uh, grow in, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a, like a concert pianist when they make stuff up, riffing, I think they call it, you know. Riffing off of whatever you taught them, um, I find it super rewarding. Yeah. Well, Rob, it's been a pleasure having you on a quality podcast today and catching up on the uh, Southern Hemisphere on the other side of the world, the wonders yes. of modern technology. But we do consider you a friend of a quality podcast, and we see that what you're doing and your values are closely aligned with ours. So we're really happy that you could come on the show. Thank you. No, it's been a pleasure. It's always good to talk about this stuff and, and just yeah, chat to other people because yeah, there's there's a few lean people in New Zealand, but um, not a huge amount. So it's always good just to benchmark of what's happening around the rest of the world, really. Ladies and gentlemen, Rob Bull, Plexus Consulting. We'll put all of your links down below in the show notes for all of you out there in YouTube land and around the world. Thank you for joining. Goodbye. See you later.